chapter 7 and 8. So remember, this is the book written by the disciple who, it said, whom Jesus loved. And John gives a great view of, of the Lord both as a man and as God. He kind of puts the two together, the, being the son of God and being just a man. So let's continue from John's point of view, what happened when the Lord was here on the earth. So if you want to, you can open your Bibles to John chapter 7. It's the book of John chapter 7. Verse 1. After this, Jesus went from place to place in Galilee, for he would not travel in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jewish feast of tabernacles was drawing near. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples there may also see that the works you're doing. In other words, this is no place for you. For no one does anything in secret when he wishes to be conspicuous and secure publicly. But if you must do these things, if you must act like this, so show yourself openly and make yourself known to the world. This is Jesus' very own brothers, including James, who's saying this to him. For even his brothers did not believe in or adhere to and trust and rely on him either. Verse 6. Whereupon Jesus said to them, my time, my opportunity, has not yet come. But any time is suitable for you, and your opportunity is ready at any time. In other words, your opportunity is always here. The world cannot be expected to hate you, but it does hate me, because I denounce it for its wicked works and reveal that it is doing evil. Verse 8. Go to the feast yourself. I am not yet going up to the festival, because my time is not right. My term is not yet completed. It is not yet time for me to go. Having said these things to him, he stayed behind in Galilee. Verse 10. But afterwards, when his brothers had gone up to the feast, he went up also, but not publicly with a caravan, but by himself quietly and as if he did not wish to be observed. Therefore the Jews kept looking for him at the feast and asking, Where can he be? And there was among them the mass of people, much whispering, discussion, and hot dispute about him. Some were saying, He is good. Others said, No, he misleads and deceives the people. He gives them false ideas. Verse 13, but no one dared speak boldly about him for fear of the leaders, the Jews. The Christian leaders at the time, as you can see, John often referred to as the Jews. Now, just a side note, we are studying Revelations, and in Revelations he refers to the Jews, and it could be, the religious le leaders in Jerusalem at the time, 
but they could also be people who are um, Christians or professing to know God and leaders among his people. So that's the one thing to keep in mind. We always have to remember John wrote this book, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. So it can be handy to see how he uses words and what he's talking about. Verse 14. When the feast was already half over, Jesus went up to the temple and began to, to teach. The Jews were astonished. They said, how is it this man has learning? He is so versed in the sac sacred scriptures and in theology when he's never studied. At this time, remember, in order to read the scriptures, you had to go and read them off of scrolls, and they were kept in, in the temple. So there were scholars who would study the Bible, and they would call them rabbis, teachers, because they spent time studying the scriptures, and they were all well known. Now, Jesus didn't do this, of course, because he learned straight from his Father in heaven. Verse 16. Jesus answered them by saying, My teaching is not my own, but is his who sent me. If any man desires to do his will, God's pleasure, he will know, have the need, illumination to recognize and can tell for himself whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking from myself and on my own accord and in his own authority. Verse 18. He who speaks on his own authority seeks to win and honor himself. He, he whose teachings originate with himself seeks only his own glory. But he who seeks the glory and is eager for the honor of him who sent him, he is true, and there is no unrighteousness or falsehood or deception in him. Now that verse can be kind of difficult to understand when you're hearing it. But um, let me put that in uh, slightly different terms, because that way you can, you can see who the he's and him's and were, because they're capitalized. And when they're capitalized, you know that means it's referring to God and, and Jesus. Okay, so, but Jesus, who seeks the glory and is eager for the honor of him who sent him, that's God, he is true. Jesus is true. And there is no unrighteousness or falsehood or deception in him being Jesus. Verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law? And yet not one of you keeps the law. If that is the truth, why do you seek to kill me for not keeping it? Verse 20. The crowd answered him, you are possessed by a demon. You are raving. Who seeks to kill you? Jesus answered them. I did one work, and you shall all, and you all are astounded. Now Moses established circumc circumcision among you, though it did not originate with Moses, but with the previous patriarchs. And you circumcise a person even on the Sabbath day. If to avoid breaking the law of Moses, a person undergoes circumcision on the Sabbath day, have you any cause to be angry with him? Me, or, let's see. I'm going to reread that one. Verse 23. If to avoid breaking the law, Moses, 
the law of Moses, a person undergoes circumcision on the seventh day. Have you any cause to be angry and indignant with me for making a man's body whole and well on the Sabbath? Remember, that was their grief with him, is that he was healing on the Sabbath. 24. Be honest in your judgment, and do not decide at a glance, but judge fairly and righteously. Then some of the Jerusalem people said, Is not this man, is this not the man they seek to kill? And here he's speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Can it be possible that the rulers have discovered and know that it is truly the Christ? No, we know where this man comes from. When the Christ arrives, no one will know from what place he comes. 28. Whereupon Jesus called out as he taught in the temple, Do, not, do you know me? And do you know where I am from? I have not come on my own authority and on my own accord and as self-appointed, but the one who sent me is true, and him you do not know. Verse 29. I know him myself because I come from his very presence, and it was he personally who sent me. Therefore they were eager to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him, for his hour, his time, had not come, had not yet come. Verse 31. This is John chapter uh, 7, verse 31. And besides, many of the multitude believed in him and heard to him and trusted in him. And they kept saying, when the Christ comes, will he do more miracles and produce more proofs and signs than what this man has done? In other words, he's done so many signs, surely he's going to be the, he is the Christ. Verse 32. The Pharisees learned how people were saying these things about him under their breath, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent attendants to arrest him. Therefore, Jesus said, for a little while I am still with you, and then I go back to him who sent me. But you will look for me, but you will not be able to find me. Where I am, you cannot come. Then the Jews said among themselves, Where is this man? Where does this man intend to go that we shall not find him? Will he go to the Jews that are scattered in the dispersion among the Greeks and teach the Greeks? Verse 36. What does this statement of his mean? You will look for me and you'll not be able to find me. And where I go, you cannot come. Now on the final and the most important day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried in a loud voice. If many, any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, who cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being shall flow continual springs of rivers of living water. But he was speaking here of the Spirit, whom those who believed and trusted in and had faith in him were afterward to receive. For the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. 
Okay, so we have another little side note here. Um, according to the way the Jew Jews believe and they and they spoke about um, Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit of God, um, that it was living water. It was uh, a flowing river. That's why when they were baptized, they preferred it to be um, water that was moving. So if water was moving in a stream, they called that living water, and that was you know in reference to the Holy Spirit. So when he is here speaking of come and receive living water, the Jews who he was talking to knew what he was referring to. It wasn't a mystery of, oh, what kind of water is going to give us to drink? Um, they knew it was a reference to the Holy Spirit because of the way they were raised. Um, John chapter 7, verse 40. Listening to these words, some of the multitude said, this is certainly and beyond doubt the prophet. Now, the prophet is capitalized. Others said, this is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. But some, some said, what? Does the Christ come out of Galilee? You see, they didn't know the scriptures and that they were fulfilled about Galilee by Christ coming. Does not the scriptures tell us that the Christ will come as an offspring of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David lived? So there arose a division and a dissension among the people concerning him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one ventured and laid hands on him. Meanwhile, the attendants, the guards, had gone back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, Why have you not brought him here with you? The attendants replied, Never has a man talked as this man talks. No mere man has ever spoken as he speaks. The Pharisees said to them, are you also deluded and led astray? Verse 48. Has any of the authorities of the, of the Pharisees believed in him? As for the multitudes, they do not know the law. They are contemptible and doomed and cursed. Verse 50. Then Nicodemus, who came to Jesus before at night and was one of them, one of the disciples, asked, does our law convict a man without giving him a hearing and finding out what he has done? They answered him, Are you too from Galilee? Search the scriptures for yourself, and you will see that no prophet comes or, or will rise to prominence from Galilee. And they went back each to their own house. Now we are to John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning at dawn, he came back to the temple court, and the people came to him in crowds. And they sat, he sat down and was teaching them. And when the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, they made her stand in the middle of the court and put the case before him. Teacher, they said, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such women should be stoned to death. But what do you say? What is your sentence? This they said to try and test him, hoping they might find a charge on which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger. Verse 7. However, when they pers persisted with their questions, he raised himself up and said, Let him who is, out, who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. 
Then he bent down and went on writing on the ground his finger. They listened to him, and they began going out, conscience-stricken, one by one, from the oldest down to the last of them, till Jesus, till only Jesus was left, with the woman standing before him in the center of the court. Verse 10. When Jesus raised himself up, he said to her, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She answered, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go your way, and from now on, sin no more. This is one of my favorite stories, <laughs> largely because there's a mystery in the middle of it. So many people ask the question, what was he doing writing on the ground? There are several accounts of this, and everyone says that Jesus was writing with his finger on the ground in the, in the dirt, but no one says what he wrote. Well, it's easy to assume that since he was writing something out and the, and the other people were convicted and left, that what he wrote out was a sin each one was guilty of, which hit their heart when, they re when he said, okay, if you're without a sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And they saw what he was writing, and they were like, well, that is my sin right there, and he knows it. And perhaps they left. Um, but the other reason why that I love this verse is because it shows the heart of God that Jesus didn't condemn her. He just asked her to turn her back on her sin and to do it no more. To, that's to repent, to turn and go the other way. That's all God really wants from us. He is there to love us and to accept us and embrace us if we are willing to love our sin. So one of my very, very favorite parables there, or I guess actual events that Jesus did. Okay, let's continue and see what our Lord did after that. Once more, Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the dark, but he will have light, have the light, which is life. Whereupon the Pharisees told him, you are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid and is worthless. Jesus answered, Even if I do testify on my own behalf, my testimony is true and reliable and valid. For I know from where I, ca I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. Yet, set yourself up to judge according to the flesh by what you see. You condemn by external human standards. I do not set myself up to judge or condemn or sentence anyone. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. My decision is right. For I am not alone in making it, but there are two of us, I and the Father who sent me. Verse 17. In your own law, it is written that the testimony evidence of two persons is reliable and valid i am one of the two bearing testimony concerning myself and my father who sent me he also testifies about me then they said to him where is this father of yours jesus answered you know my father as little as you know me if you knew me you would know my father also jesus said these things 
in the treasury while he was teaching in the temple, in the court. But no one ventured to arrest him, because his hour had not yet come. Verse 21. Therefore he said again to them, I am going away, and you will be looking for me, and you will die in and under a curse of your sin. Where I am going, it is not possible for you to come. At this the Jews began to ask among themselves, Will he kill himself? Is that why he says, Where I'm going, it is not possible for you to come? Then he said to them, You are from below, and I am from above. You are of this world, of this earthly order, and I am not of this world. John 8, verse 24. That is why I told you that you will die in, under the curse of your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he whom I claim to be, if you do not adhere to, or trust in, or rely on me, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, Who are you anyway? Jesus replied, Why do I even speak to you? I am exactly what I have been telling you from the first. <laughs> Don't you love that he gets a little frustrated? He's like, come on, have you not been listening to what I'm saying? <laughs> I've been talking to you and it's doing no good. Verse 26. But I have much to say about you and to judge and condemn. But he who sent me is true reliable, and I tell the world only the things that I have heard from him. You see, Jesus didn't do anything on his own accord. He only did what he saw his father doing. He only said what he heard his father saying. Verse 27, they did not know or perceive that he was speaking to them about the father, about God. So Jesus added, when you have lifted up the son of man on the cross, you will realize no one understand that I am he for whom you for for whom you look and that I do nothing of myself of my own accord of my own authority but I say exactly what my father has taught me verse 29 and he who sent me is sent me is ever with me my father has not left me alone for I always do what pleases him as he said these things many believed in him they trusted in and relied on and adhered to him so Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings, and live according with them, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's offspring. We're his descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be set free? <laughs> this, this statement by the Jews of the day is kind of, it, well, it's false on the most basic principles because Abraham's descendants were often in captivity. They were taken in as slaves many times over and over again. So they were denying even the basics of their history. So verse 34, Jesus answered them, I assure you, I most solemnly tell you, whoever commits and practices sins, sin is a slave to sin. Now a slave does not remain in a household permanently forever. The son of the house does remain forever. 
So if the sun liberates you and make you free men, then you are really and unquestionably free. Yes, I know that you are Abraham's offspring, yet you plan to kill me because my word has no entrance, makes no progress, and does not find any place in you. Verse 38, I tell the things which I have seen and learned at my father's side, and your actions also reflect what you have heard and learned from your father. They retorted, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, if you were truly Abraham's children, then you would do the works of Abraham. You would follow his example. At Verse 40, but now instead you are wanting to and seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I have heard from God. This is not the way Abraham acted. You are doing the works of your own father. They said to him, we are not illegitimate children and born out of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me and respect me and welcome me gladly. For I proceed, I came forth from God out of his very presence. I did not even come on my own accord or my own authority as self-appointed, but he sent me. Why do you misunderstand what I say? Is it because you are unable to hear what I'm saying? You cannot bear to listen to my message. Your ears are shut to my teachings. Verse 44. You are of your father, the devil. And it is your will to practice the lust and gratify the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in, in him. But when he speaks or when he speaks a falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him. For he is a liar and the father of lies and all that is false. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe in me. You do not trust um, in me, rely on me, or adhere to me. Who of you convicts me of wrongdoing or finds me guilty of sin? Then if I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? Verse 47. Whoever is of God listens to God. Those who belong to God hear the words of God. This is the reason that you do not listen to these words to me. Because you do not belong to God, and you are not of God, or in harmony with him. Isn't that interesting? Is that when we are not in harmony with God, it's hard to hear the words that are from God. It's like they bounce right out of our hearts. That is what we're doing in the Courts of Heaven Academy, is we're getting you rightly aligned with God. We help you to remove all the blockages from the enemy that could keep you from understanding more of God's truth so that you can be set free. And it seems that the Pharisees had that same issue back in the day. Not that, I'm, that Christians are Pharisees, I'm just saying that Satan abounds and he loves to confuse the minds and bind people. And the Bible is clear that my, God's people perish for a lack of knowledge. And only when we understand more of his word and more of his ways, then it's like a light pierces our heart and it gradually grows stronger and stronger. When I was in the secret place um, just last week on Friday before I left, 
the Lord was speaking to me about someone and he sent a vision. And this person has been seeking to see the Lord uh, in a face-to-face visit in the secret place for quite a while. And I saw in the vision, uh, he gave me a poem, which I sent to him, um, but he also showed me a vision. And in the vision, there was something planted deep within. And this this seed kind of grew up in this vine. And as it grew, it became, it kind of spread throughout his body. And when it reached his heart, light burst from all around and he could see. And that is what the word of God is like. That's what following God is like. Sometimes we have to seek him and we have to continue in planting and feeding and watering that seed so it grows. Even if it feels like sometimes we're not sure which way to go, if we'll just keep going on, that light becomes stronger and stronger. And then we can understand more. We open up the word and it has new life and new meaning. But at first, at sometimes if we've been going in the wrong way a long time, it can be difficult to get back on that horse. It can be difficult for that seed to take root. Okay, sorry about that. Well, let's keep going. Jews are now going to answer Jesus. John, verse 48. The Jews answered him, Are we not right when we say that you are a Samaritan and that you have a demon, that you are under the power of an evil spirit? Remember, in those days, a Samaritan was the lowest of the low. <laughs> they, they were like, you know, and, and they were considered not great people. Jesus answered, I am not possessed by a demon. On the contrary, I honor and reverence my father. And you despise and defy and scorn me. However, I'm not in search of honor for myself. I do not seek and I'm not aiming at my own glory. There is one who looks after that, who seeks my glory, and he is the judge. Verse 51, I assure you, I most solemnly tell you, if anyone observes my teaching, if he lives in accordance with my message and keeps my word, he will by no means ever see and experience death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you are under the power of demon." of a demon you are insane abraham died and also the prophets yet you say if no man keeps my word he will never taste and experience death into all eternity are you greater than our father abraham he died and all the prophets died who are you to make yourself out to be they did not get and understand that he was talking about the eternal life we have a death in this natural body that comes But then we're born to eternal life. We don't experience the true death of our spirits and our soul. Jesus answered, If I were to glorify myself, I would have no real glory, for my glory would be nothing and worthless. My honor must come to me from my Father. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say that he is your God. Look at that. He's finally making the connection of who he's talking about when he's saying father, right? Yet you do not know or even recognize him and are not acquainted with him. But I know him. If I should say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I know him and I keep his word. I obey his teachings and I'm faithful to his message. Your forefather Abraham was exceedingly happy at the hope and the prospect of seeing my day, 
my incarnation. And he did see it and was delighted. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and yet you have seen Abraham? Jesus replied, I assure you, I most solemnly tell you, before Abraham was born, born I am. That word, I am, am is capitalized. It is the name of God. So it's the same name that we would say um, in the Hebrew fashion. <gasps> That's how you pronounce the name of God. And so when he said, I am, that's the same thing Moses said when they asked, who sent you, Moses? And, and God said, tell him, I am sent you. So that is God's name. That's why, this is one of the reasons that we say that Jesus is God and God is Jesus. That they're, that they're one and the same. Because here, he refers to himself as the I am, as the God Almighty. Okay, verse or 59. So they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus, by mixing with the crowd, concealed himself and went out of the temple enclosure. That is, is chapter 7 and 8 from John. Isn't that a beautiful thing that we see here? <laughs> that, they, that they did not understand what he was saying. And then when they did, they really hated him. Because as soon as he started saying that he was the son of God and that he was God himself... They could not accept that. They sought evermore to kill him. I think that has to be one of the most confusing things for us to understand. Oops. In the whole Bible is how um, God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus are all one, and yet they're individual. Have you ever heard a, a teaching on that? I heard one that was absolutely fabulous, and I probably won't do it justice because I'm not um, good with geometry or shapes. But they said um, that the best description, one of the, I've heard two descriptions I really love. First of all, um, God is, we to understand God and our relationship to him, think of ourselves as being in a two-dimensional world. In other words, we are flat. We are on a plane. And that's our existence, right? And think of God as being a three-dimensional object, like a cube. So you've got a square, right? And it's a cube. It's got six sides. But all we see is one side. All we can see is a flat plane. And so when we see God, we can only see one portion of him at a time, one aspect. Um, and that's all we're capable of understanding. We can't understand the whole of God because all we can understand is a two-dimensional plane. So um, when we see God as Holy Spirit or God as, as Jesus, we're seeing one aspect of a whole being, one aspect that is revealed to us. So if you don't like uh, geometry and shapes, another very simple explanation is that God is, is like an egg. An egg has three parts. You have the outer shell, you have the white part, and you have the yolk in the middle. So we look at um, an egg as being one thing, and yet it's really made up of three. How many of you guys use just the white of the egg? How many of you use just the yolk for something? And the shell is the part we throw away, right? <laughs> Nobody eats the shell. So if you look at um, an egg having three parts, you originally only see the outer shell. 
And if all you saw was the outer shell, you would think a, a raw, uh, an egg is kind of hard, right? And that is Jesus. Jesus was the, the revelation of God in a way that we could fully comprehend and see all sides of him. And then the white part is like the Holy Spirit. It's the part, the connection between God and us. <laughs> it's the thing in between. Um, and then, of course, the yellow center would be God. And he's, and he's only revealed through the Holy Spirit and Jesus do you get a more full revelation of the center of the egg. So those are two different ways of looking at God as a three-part being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they are all part of the same. And it's so different from the way we look at the world that it can be very hard to understand. But it also has great beauty in it. Okay, that was a rabbit trail, <laughs> but I had to under, I, I had to say that part. That I love um, looking at God in that way and knowing that there's so much to Him that we're only seeing a part, that we can only see a, a small aspect of our Father. When you visit with Him in the secret place, um, he, he He reveals Himself in different ways, but most of the time it's a, as a gray-headed Father. He, who doesn't look old, but gray hair um, or white hair. And, and he reveals himself as father. Occasionally you receive him in power upon the throne. Other times he shows himself, in, to me, in the secret place, he's revealed himself as almighty God, which he brings me really huge and big. And I see the earth as a small little globe. And he shows me something that's going on on the earth. Um, so there's so many aspects, so many sides to God. We can't put him in a box. You know, we have to know that he is, that he is and all that he is. And he reveals to us what he will. And we can see different aspects of his, his personality in the word of God. Okay. That is our, uh, scripture time for today. Our strengthening of our spirit. Remember, we do this. We take the word of God because it strengthens our spirit. We want to be strong. We want those seeds planted. We want to come into alignment with God so we can receive more from him.